The following is a presentation of the Premier Dance Network. Hello and welcome back. Thanks for coming to chat. I am your host, Barry Corollis, and you are listening to Pa de Chat Talking Dance on the Premier Dance Network. In this weekly podcast, I candidly offer educational conversations and thoughtful analysis on all things dance. With my vast background as a director, choreographer, instructor, and dancer, I am happy to share my 14 plus years of experience with you, whether you're a professional dancer or just listening in for an insider's look into our fascinating art form. So put your earbuds in, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's talk dance. Greetings to all of you, and thank you for listening into my podcast. I always love getting a chat with you guys every Friday, so thanks for returning, and if you're new, I hope that you are ready to talk dance with me. Um, so, I think that most of my regular listeners have at least heard that I run a blog called Life of a Freelance Dancer, and I am actually coming up on my fifth year anniversary of producing this blog. Um, now, when I started this blog back in April of 2012, I wasn't really involved in media in the way that I am now. Now I have a podcast, I have this blog, I do a lot of uh, speech work, I consult for a handful of organizations here and there. Um, this was really one of my first ventures into the media side of the dance world. Um, and over the years, I have spoken to many, many, many topics. Initially, I had started writing this blog to help uh, promote my work as a freelancer and hoping that companies would want to hire me if they saw that I had nice writing skills because they would want me to, aside from dance for them, they would also want me to write about my experiences for them. So it's kind of like a cross-marketing situation. But little did I know that it would turn into what it has become and that it would eventually lead to me getting this podcast here on the Premier Dance Network. I just finished writing a blog titled The Ultimate Sacrifice uh, on Life of Freelance Dancer today and posted it. And I, I'm going to do something a little bit different here on Pod to Chat. Um, I, I think that this topic is really important and I'm really pleased with the words that I've written. So I'm actually going to dictate this blog for you. Um, and I don't plan on doing this on a regular basis, but it's, it's some really great content. And I think it would be interesting to hear this uh, spoken versus just going and reading it. And I hope that it will inspire you to head on over to uh, my blog at lifeofafreelancedancer.blogspot.com to check out the content that I'm putting on there. Um, because where we're here on Pod of Chat, I can talk about whatever I want. The Life of a Freelance Dancer blog, it, it usually focuses more on freelance work and on independent contracting and aspects of my career as, as they're happening. But this week's post is more of a generalized post, and I feel like it really fits into what we're doing here at Pod Chat. So I wanted to share that with you. Before I get started on that, let me just remind you again, I am teaching at Broadway Dance Center Advanced Beginner Ballet classes every Friday through at least the end of April at 6 p.m. So if you would like to come and get some uh, refinement of your technique um, and some hands-on corrections, please come on over and join me for class. I'll also be teaching this Friday um, 
and then Monday, I believe that is the 6th, and then the following Friday, which would be the 11th at Steps on Broadway. I'm teaching a 2.30 p.m. Uh, advanced Intermediate Ballet class. So if you want to, if you're a professional dancer or if you're a pre-professional student or more advanced dancer, please head on over to Steps on Broadway and uh, come take class with me. I hope to see you there. And be sure to tell me uh, that you're one of my listeners because I always love to meet my listeners. And as I gave you all that information, I actually just checked. Um, the I'm not teaching on the 10th at Steps on Broadway. I'm teaching on the 24th. So you'll have a couple weeks in between those classes. So you can take from me either on the 3rd, the 6th, or the 24th of March at Steps on Broadway. Okay, well, let's get to this topic. As I told you, uh, this is a little bit different, uh, a different approach to the way that I typically do my podcast. So I'm going to be dictating this to you, but I think it's just such a spectacular topic. I don't want to leave you guys out if you don't follow my Life of a Freelance Dancer blog. Um, so hopefully we can send a few of you guys over there. Um, and if not, you'll at least get to hear this. All right. So the title of this blog is The Ultimate Sacrifice. Throughout the wildly political 2016 calendar year, social media became all sorts of heated platforms. Long gone were the days of respectful conversation and friendly debate. This new age of irresistible public posting with resistant closed-mindedness permeated my feed as I tried to stifle the stress of possibly losing my rights and watching the positive progress of eight years disappear with the ding of voting machine buttons. Nonetheless, I did everything in my power to avoid arguments on social media while staying a part of important conversations. And this is how I continue to treat social media while the remnants of this election cycle still have people on an argumentative edge. Now, this is where this post swings from political to dance. The other day, I was sifting through my feed to find a former professional dancer I was acquainted with through Pacific Northwest Ballet School, who is now retired, reposting the article I shared in my most recent blog post about dance potentially causing psychological harm. Now, a mother, her sharing of this article was accompanied by a statement that her daughter would never be a part of the art form to which she once gave her full self. I felt the need to turn this public thought into a caring conversation, and luckily she responded with the same sentiment. And from that respectful chat, this post was born. There is just something about being a former professional dancer. I can speak to this from both perspectives, as I am out of my performance career, but still maintain dances every aspect of my career and self. While there are short-lived, wildly euphoric highs involved in the life of performing artists such as dancers, there are also desperately painful lows. These lows are often accompanied with physical pain that can drive a dancer into the ground before they fully blossom. Most professional dancers don't stop dancing because they have consciously tied up all ends of their performing careers and feel like they have accomplished what they set out to do. More often, they retire due to complication from injuries, disappointments in casting and organizational progression, and beyond. This array of painful endings has more dancers leaving our career feeling bitter than sweet, not even bittersweet. So, why even try to be a part of this career? What it comes down to is that a career in dance is the ultimate sacrifice. It is the sacrifice of one's body, mind, will, and lifestyle. A dancer may come off as selfish in their full-out ambition to have a stage career, but the truth is that a dance career can't be selfish as it is submitting oneself fully over to their art form. Perhaps the art should instead be deemed selfish, and all of the stepping stones to get a dancer to the point of performance in a professional setting prove that they are willing to submit themselves, even if they aren't aware of it. 
One of my biggest challenges as an educator in dance involves getting through to parents, children, pre-professional students, and open class students that I am not coming into the studio with any intention but to prepare them for a lifestyle in dance. Whether that means you are striving to have a career or you only intend to take open classes for health, fun, and fitness, I will enter the classroom to impart my knowledge and share our art form to better you along whatever path you wish to take. Initially, I have found this is often met with resistance and confusion. A few examples of this include an open class student telling me that they come to class to have fun and I make them think too much. Or a young student taking my contemporary class once and her mother pulling her from subsequent classes because of my approach to instruction, only to return three months later because the other student's parents who gave me a chance had so much positive to say about my teaching methods. The struggle as an educator is real, and it is especially difficult in our field because young dancers don't understand that there are many challenges a dancer must face in order to know whether they can be one of the few who can sacrifice certain aspects of their lives to be a dancer. A life in dance is a life of sacrifice, and these sacrifices aren't common or comfortable. There are many points in a dancer's education that can be considered stepping stones towards testing out the waters of a career. Your first recital. The first time you feel the pain of point. That point when you realize more of your friends have quit dance than remained. The days you have too much homework but you still refuse to miss class. The time when you choose to move away from your family before you are even your own legal guardian. The first time you get that rejection at an audition. The first time your company doesn't cast you in a ballet. The first time you suffer a career-threatening injury. The first time somebody mentions your weight. The first time your friend is unkind to you because they are jealous of your casting. The first time you don't want to wake up to class because you are so exhausted. The first time you consider your life without dance. Most dancers don't get past point three in this paragraph, but those who do are commonly accepting each subsequent sacrifice as a necessary step towards living out their dreams to become one of us rare human superhumans called a professional dancer. While a dance artist can perform seemingly supernatural feats with their bodies, they are also doing the same with their minds. I remember the first time I had a stone bruise on the heel of my foot around the age of 14. I was quite convinced that I wouldn't be able to dance for a week, let alone walk. But I learned that day that while I felt the pain, I could ignore it enough to continue. Eventually, I forgot about it. This evolved into handling being so sore day after day and still attending class and rehearsing for eight hours without realizing that most people would completely shut down under the same circumstances. But then there is also the ability of a dancer to stifle emotional trauma and still perform at a high level. For all of the effort put in by most dancers day in and day out, they may still find themselves in the second cast of a ballet. Or perhaps they were learning a new role for weeks and the director chooses not to put them on stage for the production. Even under these circumstances, dancers keep trucking on and performing their job to the best of their abilities. But what about all of the hard work they put in? What about the extra time they spent at home after their eight-hour dance day watching footage of the role and marking the steps in their living room? Don't they deserve a chance for all of their effort? Perhaps they even put in more effort than the person who actually got to perform that role. With all of these different ideas colliding into one, what most dancers are forced to reconcile but rarely see is that dance never owed them anything. Just because you walk into a studio and work every ounce of your being off doesn't mean you deserve to step on a, on a stage and enjoy the bliss of performance. And most people don't ever recognize that, even after their career is over. Dance is always a gift and rarely a straightforward response to all of the effort you put into it. 
Due to the lack of open dialogue about this harsh reality of the life of a dancer, there is an epidemic of bitter, jaded dancers expressing how dance victimizes its participants and leaves them broken with little to show for it. This is often an inner dialogue of their perceived failure of expectation. An expectation that dance promises no one. This reality isn't talked about enough during the training stages of a dance career. When this naivety is broken for a dancer, which is often caused by a case of physical or emotional injury, dance often turns from a personal passion into a personal vendetta. How can a dancer submit themselves to an art then claim hatred for something that is so ingrained as a part of them? It could be the fact that they had expectations and weren't aware of what they were signing up for when they fell in love with dance while still aged in the single digits of life. But the way I see it is this. When you fall in love with somebody, you open up a more vulnerable part of yourself to this person. And if things don't work out, you often feel anger towards that person, if not hatred. So many people will say the worst things about their ex-lovers, even if they were married for years and years. My assumption here is that the brokenhearted must create negative feelings towards the, their ex-lover, otherwise they may find themselves still in love with them, even if they aren't a good fit today. For example, if they don't hate them for this, they may remember that they were the most generous of people. Or if they don't speak negatively of that, they may realize that nobody ever made them feel more empowered to reach for their dreams. In this vein, ending a career in dance that wasn't fully realized to one's expectations may lead a person to project negativity and bitterness towards dance to help them detach from something that they used to love more than most anything else. I've seen this happen among more retired dancers than you can imagine. This is a lot of information to take in here, but what it comes down to is that we all fell in love with dance for a reason. Whether it was fascination with the superhuman aspect of, of it, getting out of the house during your parents' dirty divorce, the only place you felt you fit in, or some other situation, dance doesn't owe you anything. It can offer you some otherworldly experiences. It can introduce you to the most diverse cast of friends. It can keep you fit, disciplined, and eager to enjoy a lifetime of progress and growth. But it doesn't owe you that Odette Odile. It doesn't owe you a body that can withstand the wear and tear of near contortionism. It doesn't owe you that meteoric rise to principle. It doesn't owe you that final curtain call with audience members yelling bravo and tossing roses at your feet. Many people look up to dance artists because they feel that they are ethereal creatures. Dancers look at their careers the same way. Infinite progress is the ethereal creature they seek to capture, but at a certain point nearly all of us will hit our peak as infinite is unattainable. And instead of looking up at the next tallest mountain with bitterness and disdain for its unattainable height, we should instead look down from the impressive heights we have climbed and enjoy the breathtaking view laying before us. So there you have it. I hope that you enjoyed listening to me dictating this week's blog post on life of a freelance dancer. Um, I, I just think that it's such an important topic that we talk about, how you really are sacrificing so much about yourself to become a dancer. I know that there's a lot of talk like in high school where people are like, well, that dancer didn't get to go to prom or how kids miss out on social events and things like that. Um, and getting to be a dancer, it's really such a fantastic life. But there's just so much physical and emotional hard work that goes into it. And there, it's not like you are working in a workplace where 
you're going to get promoted based off of the number of phone calls you make or uh, the number of items you sell. Uh, a dance career, you don't get cast necessarily uh, or all the time based off of how much work you put in. Um, you don't necessarily get promoted uh, because you put in more time and effort into things. It really is more the opinion of the artistic director, um, the, per the one person in charge. So um, it can be very difficult to stomach that. And most dancers don't hit that 25-year career dancing as a principal dancer for a major company and getting to do guest starring uh, galas across the world. Um, so if that was the intention of a dancer um, or anything close to that, they, they may not feel great. They may be bitter or jaded by the time that they finish their career. And I'm hoping that this blog post and now this podcast can help shed a little bit of light so that dancers are, are a little bit more aware uh, of what they're getting themselves into. And at the same time, they can celebrate the smaller uh, victories because really, when you look back on your career, you don't really remember all of the negative things after a couple of years. You only really remember those highlights of your career. And I can tell you that based off of experience. So that is all that we are going to talk about this week. Thank you for tuning in yet again. I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Pod to Chat Talking Dance. If there are any topics you'd like to hear me talk about, please feel free to reach out to me via my website contact page at www.barrycarollis.com. Again, that's www.barrycarollis.com. You can also reach out on there if you'd like to become a sponsor for our podcasts or to book masterclasses in ballet or contemporary technique for choreography or speaking engagements. I hope you enjoyed listening in and talking dance with me. If you enjoyed this chat, please feel free to share, rate, and review our podcast on iTunes. Every bit of extra visibility helps keep these podcasts running. And if this didn't fulfill your dance fix, check out my sister podcasts on the Premier Dance Network. New hosts from your favorite dance companies are being added monthly. You can find that at premierdancenetwork.com. If you want to connect with me to see where I'm choreographing, teaching, and what I'm doing in my everyday life, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, where my name is B. Corollis, or on Twitter at Bariscos. Also, be sure to subscribe to my blog, Life of a Freelance Dancer, where I've been writing about working as a freelance artist for over four years. I also have two YouTube channels, B. Corollis featuring my choreography and Choreography, that's Core-ography, featuring my choreographic web series that tells the life-defining stories of professional dancers through revealing interviews and choreography. Thanks for listening in to Pod to Chat. I hope you return next Friday to talk dance with me. And remember to go out and support your local dance scene.